mindfulness mode. I think it leads to connection. I think it leads to emotional and relational richness. And I think it leads to love, which is, I think, the end game for all of us. Use your mindfulness to create ease and space for others so that their life can be a little bit easier. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. Mindful Tribe, we often talk about uh, new books that have come out and we talk about different forms of mindfulness. And today is no exception because we have two very, very talented authors here and actually multi-talented individuals, which you're gonna find out. Uh, one of these individuals is someone that I've interviewed before and we talked about paint night, stir the paint and how mindful that activity is. And he's gone on with that and done so many different things. And so you probably know already that I have Gregory Coppolo with us. And I also have Danny Forrest with me today, who has, uh, the two of them have worked together and written a book called I Am Pink. And it is an excellent book. I'll tell you that right now. It's kind of shiny there as I hold it up. I Am Pink. Fantastic. We're going to talk about that on the show. And with that, we're going to get started here. Danny, I'm going to start with you. What does mindfulness mean to you? And and just before I ask that question, are you in mindfulness mode today, Danny? Well, Bruce, for me, mindfulness, if I define it as conscious awareness of what's happening, it's really, to be honest with you, a moving target because Conscious awareness includes all of the things that are going on inside of me internally, as well as everything going on in the world around me. And those are all competing thoughts, feelings, and sensations. So being aware of what's going on inside and outside is one component of it. But the other one that is equally important to me is deciding how I'm going to prioritize my awareness of what's going on. I'm sitting here right now. There are people walking um, outside the window on the path. There's animals. My boyfriend's in his recording studio, but I want to be right here right now. So I get at every moment to sort of decide where my here-ness is going to be. So that's always something that's in progress. So I, to answer your question, yes, but I have to keep my attention on that. Thank you for that. And uh, Gregory, are you in mindfulness mode today? And what does it mean to you? Yes. Well, I think, you know, once you turn on the green light and decide to be mindful, I think it's a path. It's a, it's a life journey for you. And for me, you know, it's something that I habitually live in every day. It's a, it's a heightened awareness that you build and you nurture and it grows and eventually, you know, you live in it. So I'm always in mindfulness mode constantly, not within, just within my own body and my, my body shell and myself and my alignment, my thoughts, what's going on within me, but also mindful of the environment around me and how I can create ease for others so that they can breathe easier as I'm navigating through life. It's a, it's a mindful awareness of, of me inside, but also a mindful awareness of how I can make other people's life easier with that awareness. So it's parking in that parking space. So it's like thinking about the future of someone else is going to be aligned in a certain way. How can I make that better for them? If someone's at the deli section and they're looking at their watch and they want to order something, I'm aware that they're in a hurry and I'm not. And so some people might think it's acts of kindness. 
I think it's just a mindful awareness of mindfulness of just saying, hey, let her go first because I'm aware she's in a hurry and I'm not. And so this happens all day throughout my day in lots of different aspects and ways. And so it's very heightened and uh, I wouldn't want to live any other way. So yeah, to answer your question, I am in mindfulness mode all the time. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, your book is very much about mindfulness. I am pink. And Danny, why did you decide to call this book I am pink? I know the answer, but just kind of let's start there and talk about how you kind of got the idea going for this book and and how it ended up looking and being the way it is. Well, Greg and I sort of settled on this name together after sort of taking the title through various iterations and the word pink has a lot of connotations, both positive and not so positive in particularly in Western society where there's there, there's a disavowal of the internal feminine and the color pink is very, very um, indicative of that for a lot of people. So pink is woman, pink is breast cancer, pink is is sexual identity, fluidity or issues. And all of that can be folded in if someone wants to interpret it that way. But for the purposes of this book, pink really embodies that that newness of being when you sort of peel away the armor and the layers and all the ways and forms in which we separate ourselves from ourselves and from the world around us. When those things get removed, there's new pink, fresh skin underneath like like that of a baby and and babies are born in purity babies don't see separation babies live in joy and wonder and so during the journey of our protagonist who starts out as justin polo he really embodies both in name and form and heart the color pink but also that feeling that's heart-centered and open right and Gregory, I want to ask you, I, I mean, you've written three books now, two other books, which are fantastic. The, the book called The Art of Being Whole, and then you wrote the little book about anxiety and healing. But this book is completely different. Tell us why you decided to write such a different book with a different way of getting the message out there. You know, I think a lot of us follow you know, what I call a formulaic life. You know, we're taught to, to go to college, to get a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a pet, the house, what do the neighbors have, collect these things, do these things. And it's a path that that's sort of given to us that we inherit and we follow it because everyone else is following it. And we don't, a lot of us don't really take the time to ask ourselves, is this really the path for me? And what happens is some people, not all people, but some people, end up arriving at a place where they don't have the happily ever after and they're not content with the path and they don't know how they got to the place where they're at and they haven't ever looked at it or analyzed it or even understand it and so you know it it gives yourself a moment to you know to look at things and 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 break away from that and find your own path and start asking deeper questions about what you could do to to find more joy and more happiness outside of that formulaic pathway and it's scary it's it's not easy and it's you know we we're afraid of we we think we're tied down with you know the stuff that we have in our life and the responsibilities that we have and we feel handcuffed within that 
And what's great about this character is that in a lot of ways, he's he has the golden handcuffs too, but he makes decisions to clearly break away from that and find another path that is unimaginable to him that he would never in a million years have designed. And yet he gets all the gifts and the rewards within it that he was looking for in the old life. And he gets it in the new one. And it's, it's pretty cool. It is very cool. Danny, you're a certified Pilates and yoga instructor. And I'm wondering if any of the work that you've done in this field, and I know you've done plenty, did any of it end up in this book directly or indirectly, do you think? Oh, I think most definitely it wound up in the book directly. I sort of channeled a lot of my experiences as a yogini or yoga instructor through the character of not just of Erica as sort of the master mentor, but also through Justin slash Pink, the mentee, learning what it was to find union with the self, which is what yoga is about. Um, if you read further in the book, I don't know how far you are, but Erica uses, there's no yoga directly in the book, but there are the modalities of tarot and crystal. And I have worked with those energies as well, as well as uh, of astrology in working with people through yoga. I believe that Hatha yoga, which is the translation of sun moon yoga, uses many different modalities to get a person to union with themselves. So then they can go off the mat and not emotionally body slam everybody else around them. So I, through Erica, I use the concept of being present, not just present with what's going on inside, but what's present with what's going on outside. There are scenes between Erica and Pink where she is getting him to really see and hear how nature affects the earth, how a raindrop sounds on one size of leaf versus another. And that takes the kind of interior hearing that develops not just over weeks or months, but over years. And, and that's really the, the end game of yoga as well, to really experience everything externally through a pure sort of interior prism. So Erica was kind of my, my muse as far as as taking that mindfulness aspect out into the world and and making it a little bit relatable, or hopefully a lot relatable to people who maybe don't have experience with you know yoga and traditional modalities. Right, Greg, you've done so much work with team building, and you've had your your business stir the paint, and you got so many people together and helped them through mindfulness and mindset and team building. Tell us about how that influenced this book. So, you know, you see a lot when you're obviously I'm running events. I don't know if everybody knows what a paint and sip event is, but a master artist walks you through a painting during a two hour event and you take home your masterpiece and you eat and drink. So we run these events and we do private events as well with the companies called Stir Up the Paint, which is my rebranding of, of what, what used to be when I was Paint Night Seattle. You learn a lot about people, the fragmentation of people, because they're creating on their canvas. And as a person that's, that's heightened and has a great awareness, you can see the personality. You can see what's going on within the individual. You can feel the brokenness. You can feel how hard they are on themselves. You can feel the expectation. Sometimes I ask people, like, are you giving it as a gift? No. Is it going in the Louvre? No. So where is this 
is anxiety coming from? And they're like, I don't, I don't know. I just want to be really good at this. And I said, but you already are, you already are good at this. And if you did it for 20 years, you'd be really good at it. We don't have to have something out of the gate to have the talent initially. A lot of people say, oh, you're born with that. I believe we're fostered. Our parents tell us, oh, Johnny, you're good at this. And then Johnny goes and does more of that because he got validation. So I don't necessarily think, I think we're born equally in one place. And then we nurture those talents and abilities as, as we move on. And so by running those team building events, I took that energy into the book and use some of that brokenness that our protagonist has and found a way through that journey of what it would be like to take him that take that brokenness which is which is beautiful we're all a little bit broken and it's it's beautiful to be that way but how we fuse those broken pieces together and create healing within that and so i feel that a lot when i run those events i i feel that when we're done i feel that there's healing that has taken place i feel a shift in energy and so justin feels that shift in energy too because of the experiences that he's finally connecting to that feel finally feel authentic to him and that he's experiencing these things for the first time that he's never experienced but like love connection to animals to nature these are all new brand new to him right danny i know that you've worked with greg on some of these uh, projects, the brands of Spider-Man and uh, Power Rangers and so on. Can you tell Mindful Tribe a little bit about that experience and, and what that was all about? Well, Greg and I met probably around 94, 95. He, he started, I think, at the company of maybe just a few months after I did. And we were involved with the uh, launch and then post-launch and the creation of other projects stemming from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which was a phenomenon, it was a ph phenomenon of kids shows. People were lining up in droves to see the show, to buy products, to license merchandise based on the television shows. And Greg and I were a very large part of that, of that mix, working with higher ups in the company who were involved with administrative and creative aspects of running the company. And he and I got along great doing that. I, I guess the most instructive thing about that for me, looking back, was two things. First of all, together, I think, you know, Greg and I, as well as some other individuals in the company, my, my thing was really making it a good place to work and trying to address the concerns of the humans that work there so that it, so that being at that company and working that, at that company was about something other than pushing product out because products and services are about people. And I was in a position where I could, you know, get involved with salary increases for my coworkers, for, you know, human resource issues involving my coworkers. And I wanted it to be a really comfortable slash more mindful place to work. That was the first thing. The second thing, which I think is what made me go away from that business, even though I probably could have had a more enduring career there, was that you know, shoving product down little kids' throats was not something that I really wanted to get behind in the long term. I did it to get life experience, but I think there's so much more to to childhood, to adulthood, to, to, the, the, to the concept of wonder 
and play than just buying plastic figures that you play with for a month and then throw into a landfill. And a little bit about that bothered me, but I did learn a lot about team building, about helping people feel seen and heard within the context of a, a corporate setting. Thanks for sharing that, uh, Danny. Greg, I want to ask you a little bit more about the book. And, you know, this book is just one of those books that you start reading it and you just pulled right in and you can't put it down. I enjoyed it so much. And I just wonder, you know, you read a book like this and it just seems easy read, but really like there's really depth to it and meaning. But what were some of the biggest challenges on your end, putting all of this together to seem like such a beautiful, seamless, easy, enjoyable read. First of all, thank you for saying all of that because we poured three years into it and it was a tremendous amount of work. And the hardest part was really, there were two things, the vulnerability and the authenticity. Because you can skate on the surface. I liked my first book a lot, but I think it skated a lot on the surface. And as I grew as an individual, I really wanted to expunge my soul and give you everything I had. So when I was done with the book, I could say, I have nothing more to say until I grow more. There's no other book inside me. So to get in touch with that vulnerability viscerally was very revealing and very difficult to find because every time I would write something, it would it would still skate the surf. It wasn't deep enough for me. It wasn't really how I was feeling. How to articulate exactly how you're feeling is not an easy thing to do. And a lot of times I would I would ship it off to Danny and I said, Danny, you know, I'm just, you know how I feel. I'm not articulating, I'm just not articulating it how I want to. And Danny many times would come back, throw it back at me, and I'd be like, yes, this is, yes. So we worked very well, very together that way. Um, and we both ripped it open. I mean, Danny and I are, are people that, like most people don't really want to rip it up when we have a little bit of protection and some barrier, um, but that's not where the gems come from. That's not, you know, where the good stuff comes from. It comes from ripping it open. And so those parts where I don't want to reveal too much, but some of the journal entry parts that you read where yes. maybe someone's passing away and they're giving you their last page of life. That was you know, we wanted it to be meaningful. And we also wanted to give people hope that, hey, this journey through life and through death and mortality, you know, we we celebrate in a different way. We don't really celebrate it. What if we did celebrate it? What if it really was a coming home to family? And what if it really was different than what we perceive it to be? Because we've all been in situations where someone is passing away and they look at you and they say someone's name that has lived in, the other life that's passed and they're recognizing people and they pass away and we're still not acknowledging we're not piecing it together that perhaps it really is a beautiful journey from the beginning and then we we arrive in this pure state and as we pass away we get more childlike we become more open you've seen it 30 minutes before someone passes away they want to make all their amends they want to somehow make it all right and it's like wow you could have done this 20 years ago you know and so i think that was the most difficult part was being authentic within those pieces so that people felt some hope within it and also felt moved by it. Yeah. Yes. Danny, I know that a lot of writers end up having to leave things out of books that they've written 
I'm wondering if there were any sections that you wrote and you felt very strongly about them and yet somehow they just didn't make it into the final version of the book. Anything like that? Well, the way this kind of worked out in the beginning was that Greg forwarded me a, for, forwarded me a rough draft of this book he had written. Mm-hmm. And it takes place in Kauai, and he emailed it to me while I was actually in Kauai, but he didn't know I was there. It's very funny because, I, I, and I've said this many times, Kauai is a very interesting place for me. It, it always hands, every time I'm there, it hands me a key that unlocks the next door I'm sort of to walk through. And this last time I was there, it handed me the key to I Am Pink. And I got that there. And I read it, and I loved it. The, the characters were there, the story was there. Now, there there was some part, and, and there was a lot that had to do with, I don't want to say mindfulness practices so much as, well, maybe mindfulness in terms of you know nutrition, for example. And there was a lot in there about that. And I thought, well, this is all good and it's all accurate, but I didn't want us to dilute the main message with too much digression into the nuts and bolts of how to you know live day to day. I wanted it to come more from the heart than anything else. And if I started or we started to involve too many other aspects of the subtle body, I suppose I call it, then it might, like I said, dilute the message. So I, I, we had to leave out a lot of explanations of things relating to nutrition and movement that are important to us, but that I felt took away from the main relationships between the characters. Greg, you've received a lot of very positive comments about the book. Any any comments or feedback that kind of surprised you? You know, so far, no. So far, no. I mean, pleasantly, I'm happy. Yeah. We knew what we had done. For the first time for me, Danny and I knew what we had done. We knew that we wrote a great book. We, we knew this. We knew that it was going to move people, that it was relatable, we knew that a lot of people were in that space where they were kind of stuck. It was just, it's just a relatable story for all of us. And we knew we did it. I mean, we knew really that we, we knocked it out of the park. We spent the time. It was done in two years. Danny took one more look at it and she says, we have another year. And I'm like, you know, I wanted to get out. She's like, yeah, it was hard. She said, we have, we have another year. And I'm like, wow, that's not what I wanted to hear. But it needed the nurturing and the space. Bruce, by the time we got that third year in, we knew what it was. For the first time, I can honestly say that those reviews coming in are authentic reviews that I thought people would would feel, would say. I, I knew that those messages were in the book, and I knew that if they could read it and receive it, that that's what they would say. So. Um, so far, it's 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 a line. We're happy to see it. Um, nothing has been really shocking or surprising, other than the fact that um, people are moved. They are moved by it, and this is what we wanted to do. We wanted to create more mindfulness. We wanted to wake people up from that deep sleep of just we're in rope. We're like you know we're just moving around, and we're unaware of like why what you know people say oh you know i'd like to do this but i can't really do that or i'm not good at that or it's just it's all made up kind of fictitious lies that we tell ourselves that handcuff us into the current path where we'll never find that happily ever after and so um i'm 
I'm happily happy to say that um, no, so far I've not been surprised. It's been exactly what I wanted it to be, and I'm blessed and grateful for that. That is fantastic to hear. I'm so glad. Danny, I'm wondering what's next. What projects are you working on now or what's coming up? And did this book influence what's coming up for you in your life? Well, I'm so glad that you asked that, Bruce. Actually, I had a book that was completed before Pink came into being, and it's now in an editing process. It's a highly... It, it, it's it's generally a memoir. I would call it a prequel to Pink from the point of view of a female protagonist because it is the sum total of decades of experience that got me ready for a project like Pink to be relevant and, and meaningful and doable for me that I could really embrace and expound on the concepts that are in and the, and the heart-centered message that is in Pink. I had a lot of um, decades of life where I didn't actively choose life. I allowed life to choose me and not always to my, to my benefit. And, you know, that came through issues of family of origin, issues of trauma. And so I'm very proud of, of the, this upcoming book, but it's almost as if Pink needed to come first so that people could see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel when one has enough lived experience to be able to digest those lessons. So I, I think it's a great, I, I'm really excited about it. It's called 52 Pickup, Scattered and Torn. It's basically a vignette from each of 52 years of my life. I wrote them in random order and then re-chronologize them. Mm-hmm. to make a a story that focuses on different aspects and different consistent themes of my life leading up to to pink. So um, that's one project. And then after that is uh, out of the hopper, I am actually writing a uh, book called Sargasso, which is takes place over one year. And that was the one year that my late husband was uh, diagnosed with the illness that a year from diagnosis led him to pass. And mm-hmm. that uh, is for people who have been in the involuntary position of having to be a caregiver without having any training and actually maybe hating doctors and hospitals to really having to hold space for somebody who is transitioning out. So those are two kind of, those are two pieces of bread. And then pink is, I guess, right in the middle there. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Danny. And uh, Greg, as we, Get to the end of the interview. I want to ask you if you have any final words of advice for Mindful Tribe. Anyone who believes in mindfulness but we're just maybe not quite getting it, feeling like maybe life is a little bit futile. The messages are in the book, I Am Pink. But what would you say to our listeners right here and now? You know, there's a quote. Well, there's two quotes that I like. I'll focus on one. It's Ralph Waldo Emerson. He says, to know that one life has breathed easier because you have lived this is to have succeeded. So through mindfulness, what I was talking about creating space for others, you're creating an ease for others so that their life actually will be easier because you maneuvered through it first or you were there first with this awareness to provide that for them. And so there is that. So I would say, use your mindfulness to create ease and space for others so that their life can be a little bit easier. If we all did that, wow, right? 
And then Maya, oh, Ange sure. Maya, Maya Angelou said something that I love, I absolutely love. She said, you know, when you know better, do better. Yeah. So I think we have some challenges that we can all, you know, we can all be better. And when, you know, I make mistakes all the time too, and it's okay to go back within that framework a day later or whatever and say, hey, you know, I was triggered. I realized that this happened. Um, you know, I apologize or whatever the case may be that we can go back and undo, you know, some of the stuff that maybe we weren't as mindful in that moment or the thoughts came through and, and they got the better of us. So I think that's, those are the two things really I'd like to leave with everybody, especially just creating that space for others. This is super important. People call it acts of kindness. It's really acts of mindfulness. Right, right. Danny, final words for our Mindful Tribe listeners? Yes, I think that, and this is just speaking for me, my several decades, shall we say, of experience, that the gateway to what do you call it, mindfulness, divinity, spirituality, is humanity, my own humanity. Everything that makes me who I am. There's so many traditions out there that want us to disavow our emotions, our lived experience, our trauma, our stories, even our ego. But all of those are part of what makes us human in, in the way that it makes us able to connect to other human beings. And if I lose that aspect of myself, if I lose the messiness, if I disavow it, if I cover it up or allow others to cover it up in judgment and shame, or if I do that to other people, then there really is no hope for this planet. And I think there is a lot of hope for this planet. And the way to hold up my end of the bargain is to just show up in all my messiness, all my imperfection, and that is glory, and that is connection, and that is love, as long as I understand that I get to decide how much of those things are going to be defining me at any given moment. And I would encourage other people to sort of take that journey as well. I think it leads to connection. I think it leads to emotional and relational richness. And I think it leads to love, which is, I think, the end game for all of us. I love how uplifting and empowering both of you are. Your messages, not only as I talk to you in person, but the messages that came through in the book, I Am Pink, Mindful Tribe, I very strongly encourage you to get your hands on a copy of this. It's such a, a wonderful book, very, very thoughtfully put together with terrific messages related to mindfulness, but such a, a beautiful and easy read too. So get the book. And thanks again, Gregory and Danny, for being on Mindfulness Mode today. Always, thanks for having always us. A always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. Thank you for All having me. All the best to you. Yep. Bye now. Hey, Mindful Tribe. I hope you enjoyed the interview today. Maybe you've checked out my YouTube channel and this is an invitation to do that. I think you'll enjoy the videos. Some of them are short clips. Some of them are, are longer, full-length videos of the episodes. Go to mindfulnessmode.com slash TV and you can find that right on YouTube or you can go directly to YouTube and type in mindfulnessmode.com podcast. 
So uh, yeah, if you uh, do enjoy the the videos, leave a comment. I'd appreciate it. Or uh, you know, subscribe. That would be fantastic. So I hope you have a great rest of your day, great week. And with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode. <laughs>